Crew, crew, how are you? Hope everyone's doing good. We're back. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate you listening. We got Justin Lee, part two. We're going to go from land to the sea. So, you. See you guys. Salty Crew Radio presents Salty Stories, the ship's log. Stories about the hard workers, the searchers, the risk-taking, mistake-making watermen who have nothing to prove. About the seafaring, the wax-sharing, the grommets, young and old. About the tried and true, those who've paid their dues. And about those who choose to find refuge in the sea. Going from Marlin, yeah, off of Hawaii, Blue Marlin. Blue Marlin, and okay, so, yeah, I couldn't tell those things were dark. And I was like, man, what kind of Marlin is that? A good yeah, friend yeah. of mine out here has a charter boat. And so I was talking to him, I was like, man, you know, in Hawaii, you know, in other parts of the world, you know, catching and killing Marlin is kind of frowned upon. Yeah. But in Hawaii, it's just a fish that we harvest out here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we, I mean, we make everything from smoked Marlin to poke to dried fish. and you know, there nothing goes to waste, which is well. You see that happen, here. right? I, I've seen that in Tahiti and you know mm-hmm. islands, sort of things. It's like, well, it's totally normal. But you know, a lot of the other places that aren't the islands are just like, you know, people just sort of come out and shame you. But, but sorry. So keep exactly. going. Yes. Um, so we had the moon was coming in. Um, was perfect the moon phase, and my buddies all like, you know, because of this COVID thing, he had no charters. Hmm. You know, he's all like, hey, you guys want to chase these fish? I was all like, sick. So my buddy Trevor that lives uh, in New York um, that I went hunting with, um, he's a big spear fisherman as well. And I told him, I was like, hey, we're going to have a pretty epic little weekend if you want to try and come down and we'll make it a whole trip out of it and go hunting and stuff. And then Mark flew over and um, we got in the boat. And so the idea was to just to troll lures that didn't have hooks in them and some teasers and stuff like that and try and get a marlin to, to raise up and... And then the chaos of trying to get a marlin to raise up, jump in the water and try and spear one behind the boat. And uh, it was insane. Like, you know, we were expecting maybe a marlin to show up between like the two days that we were out there. And uh, we ended up having like four marlin come up. But uh, tell me about the one that you tell me about the one that you slipped in on and tell me what you guys learned throughout the throughout this little ordeal, because um, so you guys are trolling all of a sudden you see some in your in your zone in your spread and you're like okay go <laughs> that's exactly what it was we we kind of had an idea but we didn't know what the heck we were really doing and um the good thing is you know being with with guys like trevor and mark and the boat captain you know you've got all these professionals that are just you know amazing watermen and, and are just kind of comfortable in all kinds of different situations and um so we coiled up the line in the corner of the boat. We had the floats. We were sitting there ready. And um, like you said, we were sitting there and we we're not even for an hour. And all of a sudden, um, so you got it in the clips, like in the outrigger. All of a sudden it breaks off. Yeah. And like, oh. And you look up and you just see this Marlin's head and Bill just chasing the lure with his mouth open. And you're just like, oh! game on and so it's just like go 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 so mark's sitting on the side as mark was first up so mark's sitting on the back of the boat 
and I'm sitting there like this. He's all like, is my GoPro on? Is my GoPro on? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even think of that. And I'm like, yeah, go, 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 go. And so he falls in over. And does Captain uh, take the boat out of gear? Is he, is the boat getting slipped yeah. out of gear? Okay. So he's going, um, he's trolling speed, which you're going like nine knots or whatever. And you're mm -hmm. trolling and this Marlin is just whacking this lure and uh, just getting all foamed out on it. And um, the captain shuts off the motors and the, the deckhand was reeling it in to keep the Marlin's attention on the yep. lure so that it's moving. And so then Mark falls in, throw in the coils, throw in the floater, but there's still, you know, turbulence in that water because the motor's just turned off. And so you fall in, you're just all just super noodly. And all of a sudden you clear the white water and he looks up and this, I mean, we estimated him that right around 600 pounds. I mean, it was a huge Marlin shows up and, you know, That's scary, and I'm sitting man. on the boat like, like this, like, oh, oh. you know, you can see this black log swimming up to freaking Mark and he's yeah. just like this. And then he shoots and he comes up and he's like, yeah. And all of a sudden you see his buoy starts taking off and then his buoy stops. And I'm like, did he stole it? What, what happened? And unfortunately it slipped out, but then we came back and we looked at the footage and it was just insane. I mean, you just look at it and you're just like, and so Mark's all like, bro, that is the greatest thing in the whole world, man. You got it. You, well, I don't, we got to do that again. And so we're trolling and, and then I'm next up to bat and I'm sitting on the back of the boat. And of course, when I'm sitting on the back of the boat, it takes like seven hours <laughs> before the next bike. So I'm sitting over there. My freaking legs are sunburned because I have my board shorts on and just the wetsuit top because I had full wetsuit uh, bottoms, everything on at first. But oh, and you kept peeling them off. so hot. <laughs> yeah, it starts taking that <laughs> off and I'm like there's no way I gotta take this off and so then I'm sitting on the back of the boat and there's you know I you know lucky me I fell asleep in my wetsuit in the back of the boat just like waiting for this and finally as I'm sitting there one of the guys is like captain's like there we go there we go there we go and you know it's like zero to nine thousand miles an hour and so I'm sitting there like this and I can see the marlin and I'm like am I ready am I ready am I ready like <laughs> Go, 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 go. And so I jump in the water. And as soon as I jump in the water, I wasn't ready for all that water movement behind the boat. And I full on did a cartwheel um, in the water holding the gun. And as soon as I come up, I look up and the marlin is above me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I turn and try and shoot and barely clip his fin. And the marlin takes off. And I'm just like, that was insane. Like, you know, sure, sure, if we would have shot one, it would have been super, super epic, but it didn't happen. And then my buddy jumped in on one and he missed one. And so it's just like, it's all a learning curve. And now, now we know how far we got to keep the lures back, you know, because oh, okay. we don't want the lures to close. Because if we fall in and the Marlin's in there, like in my instance, it just wasn't happening. It was just yeah. too far. It was too fast. That's what you it know? looked, um, that's what it looked like. It looked I mean, it basically, you, you know, you open your eyes and the guy, you know, David and Goliath is like right in your face. Like, not, like that's that, I mean, it would, it's an experience like no other that you'll never forget. I mean, to face that sort of creature 
um, with that, with as much strength and power as he has, like right just in your grill, like as you open your eyes, is is probably a little much. <laughs> it's it definitely is a pucker moment for sure, for sure, for sure. And then oh you know, one of the coolest things is um, a couple of weeks ago, right before I went to Colorado, actually to go hunting. Uh, we went out fishing with my dad and his high school classmates. And so it was just kind of a feel good little afternoon fishing trip. And we went out and um, we found uh, some floating debris and it was covered in Mahi Mahi. And we caught a couple on fly rod actually, which was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then jumped in the water and um, speared a couple Mahi Mahi and got my buddy, my cousin that was with me, got his first big bull Mahi Mahi that was like right around 30 pounds. And we were just having a really, really good time. And so then on the way back in, we put the trolling lures out and uh, a marlin came up and whacked one of the lures. And my uncle got in the seat and he was fighting it and stuff like that. And it was, it was fighting kind of weird. And um, I'm not a, a leader man normally, but I, I've gotten to do it a couple of times. And that is such a fun position. It's crazy. And um, so I was leadering the marlin coming in and it's kind of noticing that he was acting kind of weird. And unfortunately, sometimes this happens is the hook was in the eye. And I was like, oh, no. You know, and we've had him, you know, pull off after being hooked in the eye and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, people have caught one eye of Marlin, but it's just not the, the most humane thing that you want to have done. And so he was pulling in. And so when we were trying to pull him in, this is kind of gnarly, but... I wrapped him inside the pull him in. And when we realized I was hooking, we were like, okay, we're gonna take this Marlin. And we were actually gonna let him go because we had a bunch of Mahi Mahi already and we didn't need a Marlin. And, uh, and so I started wrapping, I started pulling in and the whole eyeball popped out and was on the hook. Like, no hook, eyeball. Yeah. And I was like, and so I was sitting there with the lure. I'm like, oh my gosh, you no know, way. and so the marlin now is free swimming and um you know like when you release like a big bass or something like that or he hooked the hook pops out they just sometimes just kind of cruise away yeah yeah, yeah. you know because they just they don't know what's going on and so i'm sitting there like this and it starts to cruise away and the boat captain's all like i can see him and i'm like i'm going in and so i put my mask on didn't put a snorkel on put my fins on as fast as i could grabbed my little spear gun that i've shot you know one pound fish off the reef with and smaller you know i've shot a couple of mahi mahis with it as well bailed off to go look for him and i'm swimming freestyle with my gun in one hand like this trying to find him and i find him and he's like 40 feet below the surface and just kind of cruising and i'm like <gasps> and I swim down and I shoot him and I'm like, okay, I got to shoot him in the head. I'm not attached to a float or anything like that. And so I shoot him and I hit him in the head and he woke up. He did not like that at all. And he just took off and I'm like, and I got, so I have a reel on the bottom of my spear gun that holds about 60 meters of line on it. So I was like, okay, I got like 180 feet of line. And so he starts taking off. And so I have to try and swim. So he's running like this or like this and I shoot him like this and he starts taking off and I can't go straight up to the surface because yep. if I go straight up to the surface, I'm going to run out of line mm -hmm. before I get to the surface and I'm going to have to let go of my gun. So I'm like kicking with him as fast as I can and he's going down and I'm trying to angle up above him to stay up with him. 
and I finally get to the surface and I've got like maybe 20 feet of line on my real lap. And I just wrap my hand around it and I'm just holding on and I'm getting dragged through the water. Are you and able to stay I at the surface that. though? Okay. No. <laughs> so like I wrap my hand around it and I'm holding like this and I still have the gloves from leadering him. So I got these big leather gloves on and I wrap my hands and I'm holding it like this and I come up to the surface, take a breath and he pulls me back down to like 45, 50 feet maybe. And so no, I'm sitting like this. Bro, and, to let go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting like this and I'm holding on and I'm, you know, he's pulling me down, but I, where I shot him in the head, luckily, I kind of could kind of control him a little bit. Oh, okay. But I mean, I only have 300 pound test mono and then I got some background behind it. And so I know it's like, now I'm like, shucks, I hope I crimped it correctly. I hope my line is strong enough. And so then I kick as hard as I can to come back up and just try and plane him up so that I can come up to the surface. And I come up to the surface, take a breath, kick on the surface for a little bit, and then right back down. And, um, you know, this went on for an hour, what? 45 minutes. Holy yeah, it crap, through have... the water for over two miles. It took me through the water. So what are you so, thinking that you're just going, okay, do I've already put this much time in? I'm, I'm committed or I'm or I was committed as soon as I jumped in the water. I was like, I'm not going to let go. He's going to have but to after break like, line. But after that long, you've got to be going like, how much longer can I keep up? Can he last longer than me? Yeah. Am I going to, do I just let go at some point or do I break off? In my, in my head, I'm like, okay, how am I going to finish this? Because I don't have another spare gun. I only brought one gun on the boat that day. You mm. know? And so I did have another way to put a, another shot in it. And so I'm thinking, like, how the heck am I going to do this? And when I jumped overboard, I didn't think of anything other yeah. than spirit gun, mask, fins. You know? And so my dad threw me my snorkel like midway through the fight. And so I had a snorkel in my mouth, at least for a little bit of it. And then um, my cousin that shot the mahi-mahi with me, he jumped in the water. And gave me my dive knife. Okay. And I'm like, now I have to, like, you know what you're talking about when you're <laughs> hunting, I have to go chase the animal. And now I'm like, freaking, I'm going to pull myself down the rope. And so, I would, so what I would do is I would pull myself down my shooting line and uh, get down to my mono. And, uh, you know, at that time, I'd have to try and pull down. And the first time I was pulling down the line, you know, and you're doing this at like 50, 60 feet below water. Yeah, and you're, so you're probably afraid down. it's going to slip, right? Like, because you're like, oh. Yeah. So you're holding on like this. And then I had my hand and I'm at the back of the Marlin now. And I'm like, yeah, I got to freaking stab him in his head. Full on Rambo style. And I accidentally touched his tail. And that freaking, he went nuts again. And so he took off. I let the line run through my line of hand. I start going back up and he goes down to, you know, 150 feet, 150 feet. I can't see him anymore. Oh, and I'm sitting there like at the surface, just trying to hold on to him. And he starts to come back up again. And then this time I'm like, okay, I can't touch his tail. And so I'm pulling myself back <laughs> down the line. And I get up there and the first swipe at his head, I hit him and he starts to bleed. And then I'm like, okay. Now he's bleeding. He's gonna, he's almost finished the game over, but he takes off again. And so I, you know, 10 minutes later, I started to do that again. And then, Wait, are uh, you, are you ever preparing yourself or thinking or maybe just afraid that like, he's just going to freaking turn and it's just going to be, you know, uh, 
a charge, you know, I, like I, at any point, are you thinking that nose is coming at you? And what are you going to do when that nose is coming at you? Like, that honestly never even crossed my mind. It was something that I was like, this when it happens and I don't know, but yeah, it just, it didn't, you know, and um, you know, and then finally, so the, the last time I went down, pulled myself down alongside of it and just luckily brained him and he just started twitching and he was done. And we swam up to the surface with him and I was, my cousin was there and he was like, if that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my whole life, he's like, that was just stupid. And I'm just like, ah, and we finally get back on the boat and, um, you know, on the boat, it's my dad's classmates, my dude, my dad's classmates that have caught, I don't know, hundreds of Marlin. Mm-hmm. We had two boat captains on there because it was just a feel good family just weekend. So, I mean, everybody that was on there was on the boat. You know, the guy that had brought the fly rod to catch the mahis, he's been fishing Kona for 40 years, you know. So, we had like over a hundred years of boat captaining on the back of the boat, and they were like, in all the ways I thought a marlin would come to the back of the boat, that is the one way I never imagined possible. He's all like, that was seriously bonkers. And, uh, you know, it ended up weighing right at like 150 pounds. And, yeah, it was uh, a big fish, man. It was, it was insane. Like, I was to this, I mean, like, my chest and everything like that is, is still beating pretty hard just from just reliving the story. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm friend. watching you. I mean, I'm looking at this photo right here and you're locked in, you know, sort of uh, cowboy rodeo style, um, you know, <laughs> lining him, bring, bringing him in. And I mean, your adrenaline's going crazy right there. And then that's, and you're about to jump in the water and go, you know, essentially rodeo for an hour which would have been longer because yeah. you were doing that. Like you, you must've been exhausted, dude. You must have. I took a nap. Sure. Like coming down <laughs> like from that. The, the run back to the Harbor was like, you know, um, a couple of hours and, you know, just flying high, just like, Oh my God, that happened. That happened. And, you know, and you just relive the story, you know, with my dad guys that were on the boat and, and, uh, and then everything kind of settled down. My whole body was like, now go take a nap. Okay. Dude, <laughs> that that photo right there, that thing scares me just looking at it. Like that thing. That's, that's, Why the hell did you try to shoot that thing, dude? That you, that thing could do whatever the heck it wants. And the crazy thing is, you know, you like you're talking about, you know, when the bill is coming at you, and like you ever thought about the marlin coming and chasing you, mm. that's an instance where they're chasing you. You know, they're they're so amped up on their food, right? They're so just like ah, and you're taking this lure away from them, and all of a sudden the lure swims past you, and all of a sudden they're like, "Did you eat my fish? Did you eat my Scooby snack? Yeah, is, was that you?" You know, and then it's. Did you just take my bottle stop. away from me? Like. Exactly. You know, that, that was me. What you doing? And, um, you know, that's, that's where the, the, the game time really comes in. And you're just like, oh, it's happened. It's real. Oh it's real. Game time. That is like jumping in on like the set of the year 
and just going, all right, let's see what happens. <laughs> wow, dude. It's, I mean, you trip on a stuff like that, and then you've got, you know, guys like you and guys like Miola that, I mean, on a whim will take off the freaking chopu and fly the run. Was it the fluffy pillows? <laughs> The fluffy clouds. <laughs> Dude, tell me about... Okay, I really want to know. I really want to know about... I'm sorry, I'm just geeking out on you so hard here. But, okay, this knife jaw, dude. Tell me about one of the weirdest looking fish in the ocean, the spotted knife jaw. Like, yeah. tell, me, tell me about that. Like, I have known nothing about it. I mean, it just looks like a black triple tail as far as I'm... So there... They're just a weird looking fish and they aren't super common here in Hawaii. Um, they're more of a Japanese fish. Like you'll find them up in like the Northwest Hawaiian Islands, way close to Japan. Okay. And so a lot of that's where, you know, a lot of people catch them and they've, they're awesome table fare. They're the funkiest looking fish series in the world, but they're awesome table fare. And, um, you know, so whenever you see them, where are they uh, hanging out at? Where, what's their, what are they like? Deep what's like on the Hamakua side, you find them, you know, in that like 40 to 80 foot range. And, um, you know, they're just in the big boulders and they're just such a big presence on the reef that you can't mistake them for anything. And they're just, I mean, you can be in the darkest cave waiting for your eyes to adjust um, while you're looking. And then all of a sudden, um, you'll just see a white block in the back of it. And that's their teeth. And just like, oh, knife jaw. You know, are they, and, so are they um, like, a, are they super curious or are they like a bully? What would you consider? They're super curious. Oh, yeah. And, but they're, you know, and cause I think with that beak that they have, I think they feed like on the same kind of stuff that, um, the parrotfish they feed on, you know, the rock, the corals and, um, you know, crustaceans and stuff like that is what they're kind of living off of. I believe but whenever I gut them, their stomach just smells like doo doo. So you don't really want to look through it. It's not like a, like a predatory fish, like a, oh, a big yeah. tuna or a jack or something that you cut open and you're looking for the fish that they've eaten. It's always just kind of mush. So I assume that it's, it's some sort of plant life that they're living off of. And, uh, but yeah, they are, they are a funky looking fish, man. They're so prehistoric talking about walking in the footsteps of dinosaurs. It's not hard mm. to, to imagine that, that fish is a couple of million years old and, and it hasn't, uh, it hasn't evolved into anything since then. You know, their, their color scheme and their, their face and they, they totally look like freaking dinosaurs and, uh, but are just super, super cool fish and are delicious. I mean, they're so good. They're so fatty. Like when you fillet them off the bone, like your knife will have a full coating of, uh, of, uh, looks like butter just all over your knife. Oh yeah. Like real oily. Yeah. Look, if it's not, if it's, if it's not broke, you know don't need to fix it but yeah, yeah it does look exactly. like one of those fish um and i look i knew nothing i don't i didn't know much about it so i was super super curious um they're just gnarly little fish they get pretty big like um the world record was actually shot by a really good friend of mine and it was like 22 pounds and so they're they get pretty big and they're strong because they're just a big broad fish they're just no super way. super strong the um yeah, I think I think the uh, wifey's pulling up here. So, it was, uh, but oh. yeah, man. Um, gosh, there's, you know what, Justin? There's so many stories here, dude. 
Is there anyone that you had in your mind that you that you wanted to tell or I don't know, was there anything? I mean, these are some super duper rich stories that we've already gone over. Um, but I know there's so many. There's that Wahoo sort of slam. That, Man, that was insane. That was that was craziness. <laughs> you know, we had uh, Mark. Had this, visit. Mark Healy came up. Yep. You, you had know, a star-studded crew. Yeah, we found these pinnacles and stuff like that. Look at you getting all comfy in your bed and everything. I like know. That. I'm in the girl's bed right now. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was insane. I mean, I've I've never never experienced that in my life. Um, I always trip out how close you guys are to shore. Like, I mean, to the to the land. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just where we take the picture. You know. That's, oh. That's you got me. <laughs> you know, but um, but that's the cool thing about Hawaii is that you know we've got ledges that are that drop off. You know, it's not um, it's not uncommon. You know that you'll jump off the water, jump off the cliff, and um, you know you're you're in four or five hundred feet water and almost a stone throw away from the shoreline, and um, you know so it's. Like that's the beauty of Hawaii. I mean, you can do shore dives and spear tuna, and shore dives and spear wahoo and marlin and sailfish and and kind of everything. Um, and in that particular spot, like we found these pinnacles in the middle of nowhere. And um, actually, crazy thing is, I found one while we were flying with a plane, and uh, I was flying in between islands. And then you know everybody's looking at the the cliffside, looking at waterfalls, and I'm looking in the ocean, and all of a sudden I'm like. <laughs> I think that's a reef. I, th I think that's a chunk of reef out there. And so I called my buddy and I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure there's a reef out there, um, like the size of a football field. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I kind of told him like the landmarks on where I saw it and he went out there and found it. And oh, just, wow. he's all like, bro, I found it. He's all like, I was like, really? He's all like, it's got so much fish on it. And he's a fisherman. He doesn't know, he doesn't put a mask on and jump in the water or anything like mm. that. And he's all like, bro, it's, I mean, from the rod and reel, it caught so much night black, I mean, redfish at nighttime, it was insane. And so then the first time I jumped in the water and the, the water was kind of dirty and I just kind of sunk down, um, you know, 10 or 15 feet below the surface and like seven Wahoo showed up. And I was all like, what the? I found the mother load oh <laughs> and, uh, and, got and um, you know, and then this past year we went out there and uh, jumped in the water on it and, you know, it was insane. Like there was probably, you know, if somebody said there was, that was 150 ono, I would believe them. I, I couldn't count how many there was, you know, and um, I've never seen that. It was crazy. Just like, just sitting and just going, what is going on? You know, and um, probably not you know, that deep. Couple, huh? Our... Not necessarily. No, yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is it's it's really not that deep as far as Wahoo go. It's not that deep, mm -hmm. but I mean, then in the same because Hawaii is Hawaii and we're a pretty cool place. Like, it's not uncommon to see Wahoo in like thirty feet of water either. Like yep. diving around, spearing, trying to spear knife jaws. And, <laughs> Um, Oahu will show up 
you know, and it was just crazy. Like we jumped in the water and I speared a couple of them. And I was like, this is, this is bonkers. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so we all, you know, speared too and said aloha to the school, you know, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing. It's like, I tell a lot of my friends that come out here, I was like, man, this is my refrigerator out here. And yeah. it's not just mine, it's everybody else in the communities as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like I tell my friends when I come diving, I was like, you get five fish, you know, like, so use them wisely, you know, cause a lot of the guys that I dive with are, are pretty talented and, and you can spear a lot of fish and, but there's no sense in, in doing that anymore. You know, um, you know, and you're, you're so, so, so specific on what we can catch out here that, you know, you go out there and you, you catch your dinner and if you want to catch one for your grandma and grandpa, then catch one for them as well. And, and that's the end of the day, you know? And so a lot of times, like I'll go diving out, uh, call it my backyard, just the Hamakua coast, but I'll go out and I'll float around for five or six hours and spear two fish, mm. you know, but just checking everything out, checking the, you know, it's, it's, it's all familiar waters and it's all, you know, dove it hundreds of times, but you know, every rock, I mean, it's just like a surf break. I'm sure you, know, you can catch that same surf break every single day for a year and have a different experience every time you paddle out, you know, and it's the same thing with spearfishing, especially, you know, you can, you know, you're, you're diving around and you see the rock and be like, Oh, I remember that time I lied next to that rock and that uku came in from out there and shot him over there. You know, and you lie down thinking that everything's going to happen again and nothing happens. And, you're just like, oh. and then you keep going along like, oh, there's that rock where that kuma used to live. And you'll go there and there'll be another kuma. And be like, no way. I shot your grandpa like five years ago. You know, and, um, you know, and it's just it's just that kind of stuff that is is really, really fun. And, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing with misleading thing that people get with spearfishing is that we're out there just spirit and shoot and just yeah i mean that would be but, you know that would be an uneducated uh you know maybe yeah. major but but to actually integrate yourself over a period of time on certain areas is i mean you you really are becoming one with that that system you know um and you're you're just trying to fit into it you know yeah and it's so it's such a like that's so cool you know to have that mindset of an understanding of just being a part of what's already there not trying to mm-hmm. rule it not trying to govern it not trying to be the king over you know um of you know of it just just literally try to be just a student of what's going on you know is um it's so it's it is it really is so much giving you know um and a lot of people come from areas you know you guys are in, in hawaii obviously obviously it's a um you know a little little more obviously more community a little more micro um you know if i was like from new jersey diving off like it, it would be different you know and not saying anything's right or wrong um or you can or can't do, but just the, just the rules and how everything's governed is a little bit different sometimes, you know? Totally. Totally. But, totally. And that's, and sorry. that's the biggest thing is, you know, that, you know, now, I mean, I think gone are the days of going out there and just proving your worth by catching everything out there, nah. you know, and like you said, it, being a predator and being a selective predator, you know, the, the shark, 
doesn't catch 5,000 tuna in a day. Yeah. You know, he catches what he needs and he moves on. You know, and I think that's kind of the, the mentality that, you know, we need to, to kind of push forward now is, you know, catch what we can eat. Um, you know, and if you get lucky, uh, um, you know, you can share with uh, grandma and grandpa guys, especially if you get a big fish. But uh, I think, you know, I think we really got to move away from the stringers of 80 fish, um, you know, especially, especially here on the island where our resources are so limited already. Yeah. And look, it's, it's all, it's all designed in a way for us to learn from it, you know? So, yeah. you know, and you can just take it and go on and on and on with, you know, all the stuff it mirrors, you know, you could go obviously go and order 10 hamburgers, but and you could probably eat them too. Right. But you don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't do that. No. We'll, we'll end up killing ourselves over a period of time. But, um, Hey, I do want to, I do want to finish off here. Cause I know last time we were hanging out and we were talking and look, we don't really know much. We we're super novices, rookies, but we were talking about playing with diet and seeing, um, if diet was having anything to do with our breath hold sort of lung capacity. Um, did you find anything out? And look, I know these are, you know, sort of experiments and sort of theories and all these things, but were you able to, um, what, what, what did you find out? So yeah, in, in preparing this, actually the world championships for spearfishing was supposed to be in Italy like two weeks ago. And uh, of course with the COVID and everything like that, it, it kind of put a halt on everything and I got uh, pushed back to uh, next year, September, but in preparing for it, um, you know, I, I partnered up with a, a doctor and kind of gave him an idea of how to fast um, properly and seeing how fasting would in turn um, be able to, to get a positive impact on my breath hold. And like, I, you know, it's, it's scary to say, but like, I had amazing results. Um, and I'm not just, you know, I know I'm just one in a million people out there and everybody's going to uh, react differently to um, fasting, but I would fast for you know 18 hours prior to a dive, and and I don't know if it's because my gut was empty and so not a lot of the oxygen dump was in um, my digestive system, but I would have breath holds that was crazy. Um, you know, we my buddy and I on my birthday uh, last year we went out and I it was the first time that I ever did a fast and tried to see what was going on. And so I did an 18 hour fast before we went diving and I had seven dives um, to between 120 and 134 feet that day. And my average breath hold was uh, 240, 244. Um, my long breath hold was just over three minutes. Um, and I felt amazing, you know, and I have a, uh, my dive watch will keep my heart monitor on it as well. So it can see what my heart is doing. And, you know, average, you know, my heart rate at the surface before a dive, if I could get it, I was trying to get it down below 60 beats a minute before I did my dive. And um, throughout the dive, I mean, sometimes lying on the bottom when you're pretty calm and collected, it would jump down to like the, the high thirties and um, come back up. And so what you're looking for is as soon as you come back up, you take that first breath, your heart rate spikes. Um, and that was just like normally it would spike back up to like 110. But the recovery rate, because 
there wasn't oxygen needing to be spent, sent to my gut um, to help digest um, my last meal, my heart would be able to send the oxygen where it needs to go and my heart rate would flatten out right back to 60 within 15 or 20 seconds of getting back up to the surface. You know, and that's the biggest thing for spearfishing is you want your heart rate to be as low as you can and be as comfortable as you can before you take your next dive. Because if it's at 90 beats a minute, you're just burning too much oxygen, especially if you're going to dive pretty deep. And so it was insane to see, you know, at the end of the day, I would have this graph that I could pull up on my watch and link it to my phone and I'd have a full graph and see where my heart would change um, with the depth of the dive I was doing when I was, so, so you'd see, you know, basically it would drop down, it'd spike, and then it felt like this, where a couple of weeks later, I did the same kind of diving, um, wasn't as deep that day, uh, we were between 80 and 100 feet. And, you know, I had oatmeal that morning, which is your normal breakfast that you they try to teach you to eat, you know, just easy oats, just Quaker oats in the morning time, no sugar or anything like that. And um, I did that. And it would take so much longer for my heart to recover after I came back. And, um, you know, and I don't know if it's because I'm a little bigger guy. And so fasting really didn't affect um, my my energy stored as mm -hmm. as you know, maybe someone like like yourself where you're pretty thin and you do a lot of uh, cardio so you're pretty so you don't have much storage like i've got a my cheeks probably have as much storage <laughs> I wouldn't as say your that. whole body does but that it you know that is i wouldn't say that but uh, with me but i would say that's a good point because that's what you're doing because of course it's going to take energy to mm -hmm. um to, to process your food in your body, right? So your body's going to turn it into energy. So it, 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 it takes a lot of energy for your body to do that. And then, and then playing around with, with your body type, you know, with what you're going, okay, you know, 18 hours might've been a little long, but 15 is perfect if I'm going for this long or 13 is perfect, you know? So it is a sort of sliding scale, but it is, um, I know you were last time we were hanging out, you were going to start experimenting with that. So yeah, I wanted to catch up because I was super, uh, I was pretty enthralled of like, Whoa, okay. What does this look like? Where is the happy medium? Is it going to be like good short term, you know, because there's always like a honeymoon phase that I like to say with things where, you know, gosh, I went vegan and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, but eight months later, you know, I was in also, you know, I was a mess you know um and so yeah you're you're trying to understand those factors and you know do a little common sense and what works for someone's different and uh no that was uh and that was, was really insightful that was the biggest thing too is you know we were planning you know and having this um get me ready for world championships where we're going to be diving you know like 150 to 180 feet to spear fish mm. and um you know, so, but it was going to be a, an eight month process of trying to figure out where it was. And um, there was, you know, a couple of competitions that we were going to try it out with. There was one in Florida that was going to happen, you know, and there was a couple others out here in Hawaii that we were going to try and see two day tournaments to see how it is and how my body reacts to, to extensive long periods of spearfishing with the goal in mind of getting ready to go back down. Mm -hmm. um, but with COVID, everything, you know, hit the brake pedals and all of that. And, 
No, and that's, you know, but that's good to point out though. You were being super like bureaucratic. There was a goal in mind that you were trying to get to, mm-hmm. you know, and um, which is really cool because people can take that on of what you were trying to do and what you were trying to accomplish. And they could take that on into their own, you know, life in their own sort of everyday, whether it's recreational or whatever. You're like, oh, dude, that happened to me the other day at a big breakfast and went diving and I couldn't even, you know, get below the surface. So, I mean, anyone can take that on and, and, um, and, you know, understand what you're talking about for sure. And that's, and you know, with this, um, you know, with it getting postponed till next year, that's, that just kind of helped us, you know, now we've got more time to really think about how we're going to figure out, um, you know, if we've got an eating plan and how to work with it. And now that I've experienced it, you know, during COVID, it's been, you know, I think everybody has kind of gained a little bit of that COVID 10 or COVID 15 <laughs> uh, because all of a sudden, you know, the family's at home and getting out of bed to go work out or, you know, my daughter is all about her pancakes right now and you can only make a couple <laughs> of pancakes before you start to indulge in yourself. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, so, um, but, you know, having that background of earlier this year, um, doing these fasting and eating, um, more of a keto diet um, to help me get to ketosis a little earlier and stuff like that. And having that already established and being able to do that and knowing that I can, and um, you know, will only add um, to the experience and hopefully uh, get a better or get more results that we can learn from, you know, whether it comes to the fact that shucks, you actually need to eat the night before mm-hmm. or have a protein shake um you know a a non-crazy protein shake the morning of your dive um to help you sustain your your energy level through the whole dive you know now we'll have more data to kind of put that together um to try and you know perform the best that we can uh come you know september 2021 yeah that's really fun too because you're like okay i gotta get down to this you know this depth but Mm -hmm. you know the amount of fish that are down there I got to do that a hundred times. So where's, you know, over this amount of time. So you're, you're dialing all that in and and you're figuring out, Hey, that did work. I did, um, you know, get a good response from going keto, going, you know, whatever that is that your body's sort of, um, responding to is, uh, and look, dude, we can say it's weird. We could say, Oh yeah, whatever. But dude, I mean, that kind of makes it fun. It makes it really fun in in a very different, challenging way that, you know, like forget about the end result, but like how much you've learned along the way to to get to that point is uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fun in that, I feel like as well. That's why I wanted to, um, I just wanted to pick your brain on it. No, yeah, that's that, like you said, like that's, you know, being able to, you know, hopefully be like on the forefront of something and it might not be anything at the end of it and be like, actually, it's, yeah, that's what we found out ago is, <laughs> is what it should be. Um, but you know, if this is, if it's changing, um, it'd be cool to, you know, to be a part of something that helps, um, you know, spear fishermen to dive that deep to be able to stay there longer and sustain it and do it safer. Um, yeah. you know, and, and if that's moving forward, I mean, that's huge. You know, and uh, spearfishing naturally is such a scary and unfortunately deadly sport mm. that, um, you know, any way that you can do it safer, 
um, is better for everybody, you know, and that information is, is for everyone. It's like, uh, you know, how is, how is the inflatable suit helped big wave surfing? Oh yeah. You know, the, over the last five or 10 years, yeah. big wave surfing's come along so far. It's nuts with these sports, right? You get, you get moments of hyper accelerated, like learning growth, you know, um, in certain certain areas, you know, like a five year or a ten year period where it just like really ramped, you know, on um everything that everyone was learning is really uh it's really cool to see that. But um Jay Lee, I see the sun coming up. We might have to go two part series on this thing, but hey, I, I mean look, I get more out of this than than um than you do and hopefully the people listening get something out of it as well. But um Let's do this again, man. I don't know if we can make this like a monthly or a bi-monthly or a couple times, a, you know, four times a year program, but let's, because um, dude, I could probably, we could probably see her for like the rest of the day and just, I could just scroll through your Instagram and be like, dude, tell me this story. What about this one? What about this one? So, um, dude, I appreciate your time. Um, I can't wait for uh, Hayden to doctor this thing up a little bit. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, man, we'll see what comes of it, dude. But I pre- I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, as you're oh, as you're in great. quarantine, able to work with your dad, um, and FaceTime your kids. So, uh, hey, bro, you know how much of a fan I am. I love you. I love your family, and uh, and thank you so much, dude, for all your support. Thank you for listening to Salty Stories, the ship's log. Presented by Salty Crew and hosted by The Sage, CJ Hopkins. To see the trips that were mentioned, check out Thrill Seekers and Risk Takers the movie on YouTube or salty-crew.com. And keep an eye out for more Salty Stories episodes coming soon.